Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the very last week of our John devotional series. Uh, we are finishing up the book with chapters 20 and 21 today. Uh, next week in the newsletter and on the podcast, we will kind of give you the plan for what's next as we try to navigate life together, mostly digitally in this strange day. Uh, but for now, we've got um, the last few devotionals in the John series. Today, we've got Roger Corville, who, if you don't know him, he's been around Door of Hope uh, Southeast for over six years. He's now part of the Door of Hope Northeast community. He's served with the worship team and led small groups for us. He's finishing up his master's degree at Talbot Seminary. He's also been helping lead our Tuesday morning um, prayer. If you haven't been a part of that um, and you're part of the, the Northeast community specifically, um, you can find the link to that in our newsletter, whatever. We'd, we'd love to have you come and join us on Tuesday mornings to pray. Um, he has also, very relevantly to this, started his own podcast at ForTheHope.org where he's walking through the entire Bible in a year across five episodes a week. And so that's super cool. Go check it out. Um, and you will hear, you will note, he has dialed in his podcast voice in a way that few of us have, certainly in a way that I have not. So uh, I'm excited to hear it. And I will turn it over to Roger for a devotional from John 20. Here we go. Who is Ray Miller? Those were the words out of the mouth of my best friend, Jim. It was our sophomore year of high school in 1982, and this was the first day of the school year and the first class of the day. What? What? I said. And Jim pointed to the desk he was sitting at. There it was on the surface, the name Ray Miller, probably etched by a knife and now worn a blue-black color by many a pen who had traced it subsequently. And so began our quest. For some crazy reason, we decided to find Ray Miller and ask him why he had carved his name in the desk. Of course, there was no internet back then. So we looked through every annual the school had ever produced, and there was only one Raymond Miller that had ever gone to our high school, and he had graduated years before. We later then called a dozen Ray Millers in the phone book. Did you go to Roseburg High School and graduate in 1974? The answer, 12 times, was no. I have no idea what possessed us to continue, but, but we did. And we'd be walking through the mall and ask some stranger, Hey, do you know any Ray Millers? <laughs> they would get this weird look on their face. Jim even had a t-shirt printed that said, Who is Ray Miller? Well, oddly enough... Thanksgiving week of our senior year in high school, he happened to be wearing that t-shirt as, as he and I walked into a class more than two years later. And a gal named Sharon said, I know a Ray Miller. He's my cousin. <laughs> really? He's, we said, did he go to high school here and did he graduate in 1974? But I don't know, she said. But he's going to be visiting for Thanksgiving. And yes, we did. Before the football and festivities, we, on Thanksgiving morning, drove to Sharon's house, and yes, it was the Ray Miller who had graduated in 1974. We asked our question, why? Why did you carve your name in the desk? He shrugged. He didn't remember doing it. I guess it's just what we did back then. In one sense, it was anticlimactic. 
He told us stories about living a sordid life and how he had gotten a job and was getting his life back on track. And it was quite the contrast to his younger cousin Sharon, who was our class valedictorian. But in another sense, we were elated. We found what we were looking for. Twenty-six months later, all because Jim had asked this question, who is Ray Miller? And we didn't give up on looking. Our devotional passage today has just such a seeker, too. In John chapter 20, verses 11 to 18, we find Mary Magdalene at the empty tomb at this totally unique moment in the history of the cosmos, this tiny little slice of time at the moment after Jesus has been raised, but before he ascends to sit at the right hand of the Father. But here and now, you and me, let's zoom our camera in on the questions that Jesus asks Mary. Now, as we read this passage, recall that in our last devotional before this, Mary finds the tomb empty early on that historic Sunday, and she bolts to tell Peter and John, and they join her in corroborating that the tomb is, in fact, empty. And they leave, scratching their heads, and, and in our English translations, or most of them anyway, the very next word is, but... But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stopped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they've put him. Having said this, she turned around and, and saw Jesus there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. Now, my friends, if we were preaching that sermon based on this text, we'd, we'd look for the big idea and ask what the topic and subject are. And, and John is one of the rare books of the Bible that tell you exactly what its purpose is. At the end of chapter 20, he says, so that it's so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And then the whole of chapter 20 is not 
just one of the author making a really big point that Jesus is risen, but that he is risen bodily. The historical reality has a physical reality. Now, here's the crazy thing. We know that we will have new bodies, and somehow Mary doesn't recognize Jesus, and and obviously this isn't a unique instance if we remember how the two dudes he joined on the walk to Emmaus didn't recognize him either. But let's turn our attention back to those questions that Jesus asked. Why are you crying? And who is it that you're seeking? Honestly, as I was doing some study for this, I didn't find any commentary on that first question. But remember that right before the Mary Magdalene story, the author of John said that Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved didn't yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. And these most certainly would have been part of the conversations that Mary likely overheard or had been part of. So why is she crying? Well, in one sense, duh, <laughs> she's, she's heartbroken. She knows he loved her. Remember back in Luke 8, he healed her of seven demons. And here's another point from Craig Keener. He, he writes, Jewish people took the first seven days of mourning so seriously that mourners could not wash, work, have intercourse, or even study the law. Jewish culture was serious about expressing rather than repressing grief. That the body is missing and thus people are prevented from bestowing final acts of love would be regarded as intolerably tragic. Even tomb robbers usually left the body behind. So here's another thing to remember. This comes from a commentary from Gerald Borchert. He writes, Proper burial was regarded by the Jews as an inherent part of their faith. That is the reason the heroic men of Jabesh and Gilead risked their lives to rescue and bury the bodies of Saul and his sons from the desecration to which their decapitated corpses were being subjected. That was in 1 Samuel 31. So, you and I also get a clue from the nature of her exclamation when Jesus says her name. She goes, Rabboni. And Rabboni is the Aramaic word for greatest teacher or my teacher and God. And it's more personal and less formal than the title rabbi. So she's saying, my teacher, I belong to you. So notice that when Jesus addresses her, he says, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're seeking? At first he addresses her impersonally and and he waits for her response. And then he says her name. And may I suggest, in 
in the same way he says your name. Readers of the whole book of John would remember that back in chapter 10, Jesus himself said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. This passage is so deep that there are a dozen other things that we could explore, but let's come back to where it started. Who is it that you're seeking? Well, let me ask you the question in perhaps a more provoking way, (laughs) in a way that I sometimes ask myself, do I, do I really believe Jesus is alive and that he knows who I am and that one day he will come again to take me home to be with him eternally? And if I do, what should I be doing about that? Well, what does he tell Mary to do? Tell the others. And this, of course, is entirely consistent with what he says What in uh, back in the end of Matthew, what we call the Great Commission. For some crazy reason, Jim and I kept looking for Ray Miller with literally nothing to gain except perhaps satisfying our youthful curiosity. And it wasn't like we had great odds after a couple years had gone by. But you and me, the people we love, the people we touch, finding Jesus is not a fluke. In fact, it's been his heart since the creation of the cosmos. Well, since before the creation of the cosmos, Right? Father, Son, Spirit are perfect relationship. God didn't need you and me. He wanted us and to be in relationship with us. And there is a place in your heart that can't be filled by anything but him. A place that grieves sometimes when it's separated from him or when it's wronged him. A place that we can't fill with accolades or philosophy or, or things or, or what we eat or drink or do. Because the what's we seek are meant to be filled with a who. And that gets us back to what John said is why he wrote what he wrote. He was there. Mary was there. He and many others were eyewitnesses. It would be all unbelievable except for one thing. If there is a God who can create the whole of the cosmos out of nothing, he can certainly make you in his image or cause a virgin birth or send his son on a rescue mission to conquer sin and death once and for all and even breathe through John's pen so that we too can know the Jesus that Mary mistook for the gardener. The question is, who is it that you are seeking? And then, then he calls your name.
Brothers and sisters, door of hope, I miss you. I look forward to when we can be together. Amen. Amen.